0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast.
2: Hello everyone. You're listening to After Hours. I'm Felix. I'm me here. And I'm Young Me. She's back. Wonderful to have you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks.
2: So great to
1: have you. I am so excited to dig into some meaty topics.
3: Yes, it's gonna be fun. Yeah,
1: Young Me,
2: what did you bring?
3: Wait, I didn't bring no. Okay. I didn't bring in a topic.
2: You didn't bring a topic?
3: No. I thought <laughs> you guys would have topics and I would respond to your topics.
1: <laughs> so Felix, let's just go with your topic. What did you bring? No, I didn't bring
2: a topic. What? Do you have a topic, Mehir? <laughs> no. I have
3: recommendations, by the way. I have lots of recommendations.
2: So Let's just do that.
3: Are you serious? Yeah,
2: let's just do it. Well,
3: because I'm not on the podcast that often. I actually have so many recommendations, you guys. It's
2: the best part of the show anyway. True. Let's just go straight there. Come to think of it. Even business school professors sometimes get tired of talking about business. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, good. All recommendations all day long. Let's do it.
3: Okay.
1: Okay, Young Me, the mega recommendation episode. Where do you want to start?
3: Okay, so I want to start with something to read. I recently finished a book that I found utterly fascinating. The book is called Strangers Drowning.
2: Oh, my God.
3: You know this book?
2: Oh, my God. He has it on his desk. Right. It's uh, Larissa McFarquhar.
3: Yes. Longtime writer for The New Yorker. This book is a series of profiles of people who are extremely altruistic. Right. So, for example, a couple that starts out by adopting a couple of needy children and end up adopting 20.
2: Oh my God. Another okay.
3: couple establishes a leprosy colony in the wilderness in India.
2: Yeah. Like really big, monumental yeah.
1: yes. organ yeah. donations that are anonymous exactly. to somebody who you don't even know.
0: Wow. Yeah. What wow. I found
3: astounding about it is first of all, she writes with incredible compassion, but it makes you question your entire moral compass.
0: Right. Because mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. is
3: something both admirable and impressive about these people. And then there's also something about it that makes you, at least me personally, uncomfortable.
0: Right. Interesting. And
3: it forces you to almost confront your own values and morals when it comes to helping people and the lengths to which you would go to help someone else. Mm -hmm.
1: I had exactly a similar reaction to you, young me, which is, as I was reading it, I was thinking, this is kind of odd behavior. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the book, you ask yourself, Maybe they're not the odd ones, but the rest of us who don't do these things, maybe we're the odd ones. Exactly. It's a revelation. I mean, it's written beautifully, all the other things you said, but it made me rethink generosity, made you rethink your life in a really deep way. It really
3: does. Hmm. The title of the book, Strangers Drowning, actually refers to this thought experiment raised by the philosopher Peter Singer, and he asked the question, I think in his books as well as in his classrooms, he asked the question, if you happened upon someone who was drowning in a pond in front of you, would you stop to try to save their life? And the answer for most people is, yeah, of course you would do it. Mm -hmm. But what if that stranger was drowning many, many miles away? What if tens of thousands of strangers were drowning or dying in some way many, many miles away from you? What is your responsibility then? And he takes his students and his readers through this thought experiment. And that's where the title of the book comes from.
2: Oh, I see. It's
3: really something. So that's great. That's my recommendation. I finished it and I keep going back to it in my head.
2: Yeah, that's a great pick. It reminds me of a radio interview that I heard recently with young people who live in Poland. And who took care of refugees from the Ukrainian crisis, and how that experience of helping someone who was in really a difficult situation completely changed their outlook on life, how they think about even things like what do you want to do professionally, what matters to you, Mm. what's important, what's not important. And it's maybe like half an hour or so, and where you really feel like this is a total transformation. And then at the very end, the reporter does something really interesting, and he asks, what if the next wave of refugees is from Turkey or from somewhere from the Middle East? Hmm. And then everything changes. All of a sudden, this, yeah, not sure. (laughs) Why us? Why not someone else? It was just this remarkable listening experience, almost like two opposite feelings about generosity, but in the same person. Mm, yeah,
3: It's that same internal conflict that this book provokes, Felix. Yeah. It's precisely that conflict you're describing. Right. Anyway, I highly, highly recommend it.
2: I actually have a book recommendation as well. Ooh, it's yeah. a book uh-huh. I meant to read for a little while and I just never got around to it, but I did now. It's by Frank Partnoy. The book is called Wait. And it's about the benefits of delaying decisions, Mm -hmm. the benefits of procrastination.
1: This sounds like right up my alley.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When it first came out, people thought it was sort of a response to Malcolm Gladwell's Blink that was all about making these really fast decisions. Mm -hmm. And it's one of these really wonderful books where... In the end, of course, there's no general rule and no one runs a regression or does some numerical analysis. But the way he picks up Example after example after example. For instance, I didn't know that in Greek and Roman culture during the classic period, procrastination was seen as one of the main virtues. Huh. It was really if you jumped to decisions, that was seen as not very smart. <laughs> and then he has all of these modern examples. For instance, in tennis one of the key advantages of the really good players is that they wait a little longer before they decide in which direction to hit the ball. Think about comedians. Comedy is all about timing. And the best comedians, he talks about how delaying the satisfaction that comes from the joke is just really amazing. And it's the kind of book where the eclectic examples really make it because they come from left and right and science and philosophy. And it was really fabulous to read. That is fantastic.
3: Felix, this reminds me of one of the pieces of advice someone gave to me early on in my teaching career. Mm-hmm. And in our classrooms, we all take it upon ourselves to try to go into the classroom with tremendous energy and to just bring it every minute and i remember him saying to me young me when you teach sometimes the most powerful thing is to just let it be quiet just oh. let yeah. a question just sit there yeah. you don't have to fill every space you don't have to jump in every time to rescue every right. bit of conversation right and it was one of the best pieces of advice to just be patient and let the answers Come, i love that idea and
1: it's a hard to follow advice right young me because yes. a lot of our instincts yeah, are it's instincts, not easy right but the yeah. payoffs are enormous and it takes a lot of confidence like i wasn't able to do that as a younger professor yes i can now do that but it took me a long time to have the confidence yeah. to do that it's hard yes. yeah
3: i do think that sometimes the hardest thing to do is to do nothing yeah, yeah. and that's true with problems sometimes you're sitting on a problem in your life And you want to solve it and you want to fix it. And sometimes the best thing to do is to just let it linger for a while. Just sit on it Mm -hmm. for a while and let it sort of play out. And
1: sometimes those problems also solve themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so I have one that is a little bit different, which is, you know these kinds of books like cover a phenomenon like Cod or Salt or Mm -hmm. books like that? So there's a recent one about bicycles and about the history of bicycles. Okay. And it's by Jody Rosen, who's an amazing writer. Bicycles, it turns out, are super interesting. So first... While the wheel was invented forever ago, it turns out the bicycle is relatively recent, like early 19th century, huh. which is kind of crazy to think through. Yeah, And now he makes the case that this is the moment for bicycles in our culture and in our economy because of everything that's going on with fossil fuels. Yes. Yeah. And so it's like this cultural, economic, technological history of how we got bicycles. Mm-hmm. And then he weaves in his own story about how he fell in love with bicycles. And as somebody who likes bicycles but doesn't love them, I have to tell you, it just made me fall in love with bicycles. Oh, really? It's like spurred me to want a bicycle in a way that I've never really done as an adult. So I recommend to anybody this book. He makes the case that this is the moment where bicycles, this old invention, has never been more important to our future. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. it's a really powerful argument. So Two Wheels Good is what it's called by Jody Rosen. That's my pick. Fantastic. I love
3: that. I had a recommendation that's related. Yeah. So I brought in a recommendation on something I'm going to try to do more of. And I recommend others try. And it was bicycling me here.
2: Nice. Oh. So
3: (laughs) I think I mentioned on an earlier podcast that I had purchased an e-bike. Oh, yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, you did. Which
3: has been such a game changer for me. And when I'm outside of the city, it's just fantastic. And one of the resolutions I've made for the summer is I'm going to try to do more biking in the city. Mm-hmm. I have to get over my fear. So I have this yeah. unwarranted fear of riding my bike in the city. But I'm sure I can do it particularly for the shorter trips. Yeah. And to your point about this being a moment in time... I am increasingly finding other forms of transportation to be completely unsatisfying. So (laughs) I've made a resolution to do much more
2: biking. Yeah. Oh, that is great. It's so fun. And it takes so little infrastructure to make the quality of biking, in particular in urban environments where we live, all you really need is a line somewhere that says... This is reserved, or this is mostly for bicycles and car drivers who respect that line. And then I think. Biking almost anywhere, it's just a joy. It's like you're outside, you see things. I also find biking is sort of the perfect speed. If you walk, you end up not seeing that much just because you're so incredibly slow. And driving, of course, (laughs) you don't see anything because it's too fast. But sort of like this mid-level speed that is biking is great for getting places, observing things. Really fabulous.
3: And the miracle of not having to worry about where to park or anything. It's yeah. incredible. Yes. It's so lightweight. Yeah. You feel so nimble. Yeah. So anyway, that's my recommendation for something to try to do more of.
1: So Young Me, my recommendation of something to do actually relates to your book recommendation, just oh. like your thing oh. to do relates to my oh, book okay. oh, my recommendation. God. So a nice symmetry here. And it relates to your story about generosity and philanthropy. And of course, everybody has their own relationship to giving and how you do it. Mm-hmm. But I will say I recently did something that I haven't done in a long time that was fantastic. And so I recommend it as a way of giving. I was in the grocery store. I still like going to the grocery store. I know I'm maybe the only one who goes, but I still <laughs> go to the grocery store. And there was a person in front of me, and she was like a young mother, and she had a bunch of items. And I bought her groceries oh, randomly okay, for no reason at all.
3: Did you just say, I got that?
1: I offered. I said, I'd like to buy your groceries. And she didn't have a lot of groceries. This is like not like a huge bill or anything like that. But I have a feeling today, more than ever, there are people who are struggling. And you see it in places like grocery stores. Mm -hmm. Often you don't see people struggling.
3: I bet she'll never forget that.
1: I think the reason I liked it so much was it was anonymous. It was random. It was in kind, but it was what she wanted. And, you know, she said, thank you. And I walked away. And it was just the most spectacular experience. And so at a time where inflation is going through the roof... I guess what I'm suggesting is if you find yourself in a situation where you can do a random act of generosity, which allows people who are struggling to benefit from your generosity in a surprising way, I think it's just monumental. So that's my recommendation for something to do. How did you choose? So why the person in front of you and not the person behind you? It's totally not anything systematic. If you spend too much time thinking about it, you'll never do it. Because if you kind of ask yourself, why this person and not that person? And I think honestly, she had a baby with her, a very young baby, like a one month or two month old. I was looking at the baby and I just thought, you know, why not? And I might have thought she might be somebody who was struggling, but I think I just wanted to do something. I don't know. For some reason, food and providing groceries to somebody is like a very important thing. And Mm -hmm. I really do look around and there are people struggling. Mm -hmm. If you are fortunate enough to help somebody in that way, I recommend it. It'll fill your soul with all kinds of good feelings. That's my recommendation and it relates to your story. That's young.
2: fantastic, yeah. But I love
3: this idea more broadly of a random act of generosity. It could be at the gas station. It could be exactly. at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. also like you're helping someone with necessities.
1: With necessities. Yeah. They've already chosen for themselves. Yeah. So it has all those virtues. Yeah.
3: Exactly.
2: So, Felix, do you have something that you want us to do that relates
1: to one of our books?
2: Oh, yeah. I have something that I would recommend to do that I started... Not super recent, but a little while ago. I often go out of the house without any electronics. No phone, no no anything. (laughs) I'm so stunned. In a way, it sounds so silly, (laughs) but it ends up being really quite interesting. So for instance, I find myself going somewhere and I have no idea what time it is. (laughs) That of course, otherwise never ever happens to me because I always have my phone and I know what time it is. I find myself sitting in places, looking at people, being much more observant about what is around me and what happens around me. And it's just this idea that often I feel I've become so accustomed to paying attention to my electronics. Having this experience of not being reachable, not really having anything that connects me to anyone else at that point in time, that I have found really amazing. Mm. I just love it and it's almost like you need a little training like for (laughs) first I did it was like yeah maybe I'll do it for an hour and now you know sometimes I go out and I have a day somewhere where I don't have any electronics with me.
1: I think this is spectacular Felix and I confess I was going to do something related about how to avoid something which is technology (laughs) and the only way I figured out how to do it Felix is your way which is to leave the phone at home on short trips because for me going a day or going a week without doing something. It's just impossible. Yeah. But I have found this thing, which is you can go for two hours for a walk or you can go visit somebody and then come back. It's an hour, two hours. Yeah. And it's completely liberating because I'm struggling with devices a lot right now, frankly. And this is the only way that I found myself able to tear myself away is just leave it at home but for these short intervals which is totally liberating, yeah. I love this suggestion
2: it's the same for me I mean sometimes I think oh I have my phone with me but I don't have to check it yeah <laughs> guess what happens like I'm holding up for five minutes and then of course I'm checking yeah but not having it I think it's fabulous
1: people kind of do these experiments they go for a week or they go for two weeks oh, it's yeah. not feasible but that. this yeah. is totally yeah. feasible yeah. and yeah. has a huge payoff
3: I'm thinking <laughs> i <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just is just Sold. <laughs> I don't know. I have been to some dinner parties and things like that where everybody puts their phone away and it's magnificent, for sure. Yeah, It's an interesting thought experiment for me. Right now it's <laughs> just a thought experiment to see if I can get myself there. But I love that.
1: So I think that's a great suggestion, Felix, and one that kind of relates to mine to avoid. Do you guys have things you are going to try to avoid?
3: Uh, you know what? One of the things that I am going to try to avoid this summer is something I have done my entire adult life, which is read the daily news.
2: (gasps) Oh, yes. I have read the news
3: every day from, I don't know, high school maybe? And I'm going to stop. I have decided it's not good for me. It's not good for my mental health. It's not good for my general disposition. It's almost like watching a nonstop sporting event where there are no winners.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. There have mm-hmm. been
3: a few times over the last few months when I've gotten so caught up mm. in my life that I actually haven't been able to be as connected to what's happening on a day-to-day basis in the news. And I found it to be almost better to be thinking about what's happening around the world from a 10,000-foot level as opposed to a 1,000-foot level. And so I think I'm gonna to try to do that all summer yeah. and just yeah. follow things on a weekly basis as opposed to a daily basis.
2: There's definitely something about this time. So it's so interesting. I had the exact same thing. Really? <laughs> yeah, stay away from the news. And I find part of it is that it's so repetitive. And then, you know, the negativity and it gets days and days and later when you think about like, okay, I spent like half an hour on the news or 45 minutes on the news. What did I actually learn? Yeah. Is there anything worth remembering about what you just read? Right. And often my only wish is to distance myself as quickly and as completely from what I just did. And so (laughs) I've now had weekends when I don't consume any news Mm -hmm. and... It's a little bit like maybe leaving the phone at home is not so entirely different. There's something interesting about this. And then I had a very specific suggestion of things to avoid also that is actually local here in Boston. Avoid at all costs the escalators at Amtrak the train station. <laughs> oh, my God. This Super is... Super specific. But in particular, Felix, which escalator? Yes, the one, if you come from the subway, it's the one on the left. Okay, <laughs> got it. This is a story that I cannot believe I experienced in 2022. So this is an escalator that you need in order to go to the main hall to the train station. Okay. And so not surprisingly, because it's a train station, there are many, many people with luggage. Yeah. There's stairs, but it's not so easy to walk up the stairs. And there's a tiny, tiny, tiny elevator that is sort of tucked away in a corner. If you don't know where it is, it's semi-hard to find. This escalator has been out of service, I wouldn't say 80% of the time, 90% of the time for the past probably five or six years. And this is 2022. <laughs> we don't have the capability. And so I wrote to Amtrak and they said, well, <laughs> we're not running the train station. So you have to write to the person who owns the building. And so I wrote to the person who owns the building, but the person who owns the building doesn't manage the building. And the person who manages the building is not responsible for the escalator. And it's like that typical bureaucratic Morass and it results in the number of times I see in particular older people yeah. struggle with their yes. luggage going yeah. up and going down. Yeah. It's completely it's not okay. unacceptable. Yeah. But no one is doing anything about it. Yeah. If you can avoid that escalator at all costs. <laughs>
1: So I had no idea this was going to become the MBTA complaint line, but I appreciate this feeling. I actually recently had a similar experience, which is especially with older folks with luggage. Man, if you can take an elevator, it just feels so dangerous on escalators. It just feels like it's a recipe for disaster. So I appreciate that. That sounds like a great thing to avoid.
3: Mihir, do you have another recommendation for the summer?
1: Well, there's another escalator. Actually, at the Harvard <laughs> Square station. <laughs> no,
3: so,
1: seriously. So, you know, food and drink is really important. And it's like an important oh, part of our yes. recommendations. And yes. so I, in fact, like to recommend a summer drink in the refreshment and eating category. I just want to recommend a combination. So first, on the drink side, there is perhaps no better summer drink than what is known in in the UK and other countries as a shandy. Do you guys know what a shandy is? No, I don't. know,
3: I don't think I do. I don't know. Me, wait, 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 let me guess. Champagne and brandy.
1: Champagne and brandy. <laughs> Phonetically, <laughs> that is correct, but not yes. correct for our purposes. <laughs> so a shandy is half beer and half like 7-Up or Sprite.
2: Oh, yes. I know that. Wait. Yes, really? It's sometimes called a Monaco.
1: Yeah. It's sometimes called different things in different parts of the world. Yeah. It is so refreshing. It was my parents' summer drink. And I got to tell you, that combination of like a lager beer and 7-Up, I know sounds weird, but it is perfectly refreshing. On a very hot day, having a cold drink where you get the sweetness of the 7-Up and the lager is an incredible combination. So I recommend Shandy's to everybody and with it the most savory and wonderful thing Felix relates to your chip recommendation which is salt and vinegar chips oh
2: interesting yeah
1: that combination packed flavors refreshing salty wow that's a lot of flavor that's a lot of flavor wow
2: I grew up with a slight variation and I'm not sure how I feel about the sugar in the 7up (laughs) and the beer yeah so what we would always drink is same thing like beer but then just sparkling water Oh. So something more neutral. Oh. So it's less alcohol, obviously. And it has that same refreshing feeling without the... Sh- I'm not sure about the sugar. Well, the sugar the is pretty up.
1: important to me, but yeah. It
3: is, okay. <laughs> but The 7-Up, isn't that like a lemon-lime? Yeah, it's lemon-lime. So
1: you can do any lemon-lime drink. It's Sprite or 7-Up okay. or lemonade or yeah. anything that has the citrus yeah. is what you're looking for.
2: I agree. So we would have beer or sparkling water, and then we would put a slice of lemon in it. Yeah, so I think the lemon is important.
1: It's the citrus. It's not the 7-Up. It's the citrus yeah. soda of any type, which is really fantastic. So that's my eating, drinking
3: wow.
2: recommendation. That's a, I
3: like that's it. Felix, yeah. do you have a recommendation for something?
2: I have a combination. Also, I was recently in a restaurant. Do you remember strawberries and balsamic vinegar? Yeah. This was a thing 10 years ago, yeah, 15 years yeah. ago. It's one of these really unusual combinations where you think, what? And then you taste it and it's extraordinary. And I really loved it. And then I completely forgot. Huh. And somehow it took that restaurant that served the combination again for me to remember that. Yeah, actually strawberries and balsamic vinegar is a really wonderful combo. So I would recommend that highly for the summer.
1: And especially the summertime. That sounds fantastic. It does sound good. As a combination. Like, great strawberries are just amazing. And then to have that little sweetness and sourness of the vinegar is great. All right, young me, Do you have a combo, or are you going to go for something simple?
3: I don't have a combo. So the number of people in my life now who are vegan has really become a significant percentage. (laughs) What I have found now is that when I host dinners and things... So it used to be that, you know, there'd be someone there that was vegan, Mm. and I would try to think about that. And now there's more and more, and I find myself really unhappy with what I'm serving to the point where a recent dinner I hosted, I actually just outsourced it because there were so many vegans. (laughs) And so my resolution for the summer Hmm. is to get really good at some vegan dishes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I'm going to just embrace it. I've gotten a few tips from my vegan friends on how to think about it. One is to think about addition before subtraction. What I was told is when you think about veganism, you think about all the foods you can't eat. But before you think about that, think about foods that you just don't eat that often that you can now begin to introduce new kinds of grains different legumes, just think more creatively about things you can add. Mm-hmm. The second thing I was told was to think about texture. Think about the different kinds of texture of food. And so you want to think about nuts. You don't want everything to be mushy. Mm-hmm. You know, you just want lots of different mm-hmm. kinds of textures. And the third is you need a really good dairy alternative. So figure out what is your best milk alternative or your best cream alternative. And if you land on that, it kind of unlocks a bunch of stuff. And then the fourth recommendation I got was to really be more liberal than ever with spices, Mm. to just unleash the spices in your kitchen. So I'm going to take these four recommendations and I am going to experiment this summer with not just having some sufficient (laughs) vegan dishes I could serve, but some vegan dishes that are actually something I can feel proud about. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's my recommendation. If you
1: need a taster, just let me know. I'm available
2: for you. I'll, I'll be
3: there for you. I mean, both of you guys cook quite a bit. What do you do when you have vegan guests?
2: In my case, I would usually have a dish or two that I would serve anyway. But at least so far, I haven't really gone out of my way to accommodate people who have vegan preferences. But you're exactly right. It doesn't feel so great. Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't feel great. And I have to say, at the same time, they're always like incredibly gracious. Always. Going out of their way not to make me feel bad. Yes. yeah, (laughs) But it's still (laughs) hard to feel okay about it. It's like, just, like, "Ah." And the really hard one
1: for me is also sometimes with, like, you know, vegetable dishes, you can get there. But dessert is hard. Mm -hmm. So there are some vegan bakeries that we've gone to to get vegan baked goods, and they are really good. But I think that's a hard thing to do at home.
3: I completely agree on the dessert front, but as you put it near our home, is this incredible vegan bakery. So yeah. that I will continue to outsource because I can't
0: match that. But uh, now <laughs> I'm getting hungry.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're growing a business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack.
2: Yang me what's your next recommendation?
3: Oh, Stuff to Watch.
2: Mm, so okay. I actually
3: have a few, and I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> oh, so good. these are recommendations good. for shows I'm looking forward to watching. So my guess is both of you guys are familiar with the book Pachinko. Yes. Yep. Phenomenal, phenomenal book from a few years ago. Apple TV has... Produced the miniseries Pachenko, and I haven't caught up with it yet. And I've heard it is visually sumptuous and absolutely fantastic. So that's number one on my list. That
1: sounds great. Really,
3: really looking forward to diving into that. Money Heist Korea.
2: Oh my God, really? Coming out. Nice. Oh my God. I loved Money Heist. That sounds great.
3: Any day now, I think Netflix is coming out with a South Korean version of the Spanish Heist crime drama series. Yeah, So it's the same thing. There's a genius professor, apparently, gathers a group of people with lots of different personalities and abilities. It's set in Korea. I'll
2: take a week of vacation when it comes out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then
3: my other one I'm looking forward to, of course, is the prequel to Game of Thrones, which is called yes, House of the of Dragon. Oh, <laughs> no, my I have to watch Game that. Of oh, my. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. It ended on such a down note that I am hoping that House of the Dragon will rekindle my love for that show. Yeah. Those are my recommendations. That sounds
1: fantastic. What do you have, Mir? Do you have something to watch? So I have two things. One is I've recommended or mentioned in passing before Gamora and season five, which is the final season of Gamora came out. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as good as everything else, but it was great. And so the full five season arc of Gamora, which is this mafia story told in Naples, super gritty. Yeah. There are so many things to like about this, but the main thing I'll just mention here is it's not just the plot. It's the way it's shot and the music. The music alone is spectacular. Really? And so I totally recommend it. And the other one that's related which I had never watched until very recently, but it's three or four seasons old now, and I just started it, and it's really good, is kind of a weird mafia comedy, which is Barry with Bill Hader.
3: Oh, I like that show. Isn't it weird? It's strange, but it's so so watchable.
1: It's so watchable. So it's a story of a hitman who also (laughs) wants to become an actor, and it's both violent and horrific and hilarious and funny, and like the spectrum of emotions you feel when you watch Barry is like wider than anything like you normally get to see. So totally fun one. Also in the mafia space, which is good. Felix, what do you got?
2: Uh, My recommendation is Borgen, which is a Danish show. I love that show. It's so good. So it's a story of a woman who becomes prime minister of Denmark and it has a little bit of a flavor of house of cards, maybe not quite as vicious in the politics. and You learn a little bit about Danish politics and the big topic, but To me, actually, the main story and the main fascination is how they show the way the political job puts pressure on the family and how Mm. the family struggles with this unusual situation of the mother, on the one hand, being dedicated to her husband, her kids, but at the same time, the job of a prime minister is just all-consuming. And it's not overdone in a typical, I think, U.S. version of it, like someone would forget to pick up a kid at school and you would see the kid snatched up by someone. It's not (laughs) like that. It's like the little things. It's like, oh, we're not coordinated quite right. And one of the kids struggles in school and who has time to go. And the conflict sort of gets sharper and sharper over time, which is impressive in particular because in the very beginning, you can just tell how the couple has an amazing relationship. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I've seen not quite all the episodes, but so far it's really fantastic. That was
1: completely my gateway drug to Scandinavian TV. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. That was my gateway drug. And
3: it's so consistently good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is hard to do. Yeah, Yeah.
3: exactly. That is a good one. So I have another recommendation. This is a recommendation on somewhere to visit. Oh, okay. And it's a place I haven't been before, but we're going to try to go this summer. My husband has always wanted to go to Utah, of all places, and one of my sisters as well, Mm. to visit Moab, Bryce Canyon, and Zion National Park. And apparently the best way to do this is by driving and ideally some kind of RV-like situation. I don't know if we're Mm -hmm, actually mm going to do an RV, but some sort of glamping scenario thing that enables you to be both indoor and outdoor at the same time. And so we're going to go for it.
2: Yeah. Nice. It's amazing. You will have such a great time. The nature is just spectacular. Beyond belief. Really? Yeah. And it's also the parks are so close to one another. Yes. But they're very different. And your experience in the parks is also very different. Oh, really? You'll have a fabulous time.
1: It's been on my list too, Young Me. Is so that I'm right? looking forward to hearing what you say.
3: I was actually nervous about doing this in the summer because of the heat. But then I talked to a number of people who've done this over the summer. And they say it's actually quite manageable if you're safe and you're careful about the hours mm-hmm. that you're inside and outside and you're hydrated. And Felix, you can tell me, but apparently the colors are so vivid, Yeah. as you put it, different from place to place, and the way the sun hits
2: Mm, the rocks, it's
3: just magnificent, apparently.
2: It's just really, really wonderful. I think the only thing I will say is you shouldn't expect... I'm way out in the nature kind of experience. Okay. Both because of the way the parks are run. They're quite protective. So they keep people on particular paths, which on the one hand is great because it's much safer for everyone. For some of the national parks that I really love, you get this feeling, oh my God, I'm a million miles away from civilization. And that's not the feeling that you get. A, because there are many people who go there, but also they're more... Tightly managed where you can walk, where you cannot walk. Often, many of the paths are closed for maybe some rock fell or something. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it feels like a managed experience, but the nature itself is just unbelievable. Yeah, that's great. I'm
3: really looking forward to it. Is there a particular place you guys would recommend to go or visit this summer?
2: So I have a recommendation and it's a different place for everyone. I recently flew back on an international flight and I needed to get a COVID test. That was one day before entering the United States. And so mm-hmm. I was visiting my mom and I was looking around, you know, where can I get a COVID test? And it turned out that my old school had offered the service. There was someone at my elementary school. And so <gasps> I had not been back to that place in that a, wow. a decades. And I'm telling you, It was such a fun experience. One thing that just really struck me is I had these memories of things being really big and then you go and they're really small, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which sort of makes sense because you were a kid. But also all the details that you remember, like the tree that you remember, except now it's a really grown-up tree. And then the finale, of course, of everything was that I happened to run into now retired one of my teachers from way back when. Wow! I thought this is maybe something that I should do more often. And, you know, your elementary school is just one example, but you have these really fond memories of places where things happen and then revisit them and compare what they're really like and what your memory of them is it was just such a joy, such a fabulous experience and I did get my negative COVID test so that was good too (laughs)
3: Felix, I did that a few years ago on a trip to Korea, I dragged my kids to the school I went to Oh, for them to see and it was exactly as you described everything was the same and yet different and of course parts of it had been refurbished and new but Mm -hmm. I was so struck by how accurate and inaccurate my memory was. Things that I thought were huge were smaller, things that I thought (laughs) weren't so small. The smell Mm. of the place was exactly the same. Yes, the the smell is exactly the same. And the most hilarious (laughs) part to me was... The coveted place to be in my school was the senior lounge. When you became a senior at the school, you had access to this lounge. And once you had access, you were just the coolest (laughs) thing. It was just the coolest place. (laughs) And I walked into this lounge, and it was the saddest, most... (laughs) (laughs) And my kids kind of looked at me like, what? But... To your point, it was a very special day to go back and revisit that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Something. It's a, yeah. Yeah. yeah, great. I totally agree, Felix. Visiting old schools is really spectacular. And it actually relates to one of my recommendations about people to meet and people to connect with. Oh. So, as it oh. happens, Felix, I was like on the Zoom call and we were making chit chat because not everyone had arrived. And this guy says he lives in a place in New Jersey, which is close to where I spent some of my childhood. And before you know it, we're talking, and his mother in law, was my English teacher in high school.
2: No. It was no. crazy. His mother-in-law <laughs> is Ray Phillips. That is, wow!
1: And so I got an update about Ray Phillips. By the way, she was like the teacher of English in my high school. Oh, like really? She was like the master, right? And so my sister and I both emailed her and we are now gonna meet her and see her again. And so my recommendation for a person to meet this summer and a person to connect with, I think what happened to you serendipitously is to see an old teacher And I'm going to try to do that with Ray Phillips. It's a great opportunity. And especially because we're in the education business to relate to somebody and a teacher who had a deep impact on you, especially when you're young. I think it's just a great thing. So I'm going to try to do that with Ray Phillips. So that's my recommendation for somebody to connect with this summer. That's
2: fantastic. And then, of course, the thing to keep in mind is what happens to us all the time. You have so many students, and it's hard to remember who is who. Speak for yourself, Felix. I remember everybody. I know young me totally, right? (laughs) So just remember what it's like for you. I agree. agree. But
3: it is always so wonderful to hear someone say
2: nice things to you, I mean, come on. Yeah, so it is such yeah. a gift. Yeah.
1: Okay, so Felix, let me ask you. Do you have somebody who you're looking to reconnect with or meet this summer?
2: Yes, actually I had, and it was sort of a coincidence also, I've been going to the same dry cleaner forever, like decades. And it's an older Korean couple. And, you know, we know each other and we would chit-chat maybe about the weather or there's usually traffic where they have their business. But it was never really very personal. And then... A couple of months back, they had a sign that the laundry would be closed because they would travel. And so I asked, where are you going to go? Because I thought they were going on vacation. Then it turned out their daughter got married in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the daughter and their family life. And what's really interesting is now when I drop off my laundry, it's just different. Mm. It's like you have this relationship. We no longer talk about the weather. We don't talk about the traffic. We're talking about real things. And it got me thinking, I have so many of these mostly business relationships where I end up going to the same places and I know the salesperson Mm -hmm. or know and don't really know. And why don't I know people? And I've now made much more of an effort to just get to know people. And this is one of the things that I want to continue this summer, that just the relationships that I have with the small businesses that I frequent, that I really sort of know something about the people who work at these places and somehow, hopefully, change what their day looks like. But definitely, from my experience so far, it changes the attitude that I have to these businesses and to the people who run these businesses.
3: I love that. You know, one of the silver linings of the pandemic was once people emerged from their homes and you could actually frequent these places that you used to frequent with such regularity for me anyway it didn't feel right to just you know if you see the person who cuts your hair or the person who does mm. anything for mm. you to just say oh yeah. hi here's my stuff yeah there was this moment of hi how are you how have you been yeah. have you been okay yeah. how'd you get through it and there was just an opportunity to get to know people in that first conversation back. Yeah. And so one of the consequences of that for me is, as you put it, maybe not quite as deep as you described that relationship with that couple, but I do feel like I've gotten to know some of these people in my life, just slightly better, yeah, more of a yeah. human connection. Yeah. That's really, great. Really it's really nice.
2: Right? It's like yeah, your day is really different. Their yeah. day is a little different. It's nice. Yeah. This
1: just makes me remember, Felix, that my friend and maybe your friend, Mario, at LaGuardia.
2: Oh, yes. I was going
3: to ask you about him. Actually. I texted him
1: once in a while, but you know, American has stopped the shuttle. Mm. For long-time listeners of the podcast, Mario at LaGuardia, and I text still although i don't get to see him yeah and it's like a real loss mm-hmm. like i don't get yeah. to see him yeah. as much yeah. but anyway those relationships are really meaningful and they're really fun and they make yeah. what are otherwise mundane experiences really joyous so that's a great one
2: that is nice speaking of haircuts young me i have a recommendation <laughs> for something to try or explore i have now started when i travel i go to some random place to get a haircut And it's an amazing experience. (laughs) You
3: are so brave. Oh, my God.
2: Yes, it sounds really crazy. And sometimes the result is a little better and sometimes it's a little worse. But that's (laughs) maybe not so radically different from the experience when you go back to the same place. Yeah, I think I told one story on the podcast a little while ago when they burned off the hair in my ears in the turkey yeah i got a haircut in denmark it was the fastest haircut ever (laughs) with regular scissors everything but literally you blink and you're done oh my god how on earth did he do that and haircuts i think there's real tradition there's things you do or don't do and say or don't say in some Places I think if you don't talk, it's really weird. Yeah. In some places I sometimes feel like uh probably saying something is not quite right. It's like it's more you're silent. The whole waiting ritual, the tipping ritual. Is it the same person that washes your hair, that cuts your hair? Yeah. The organization of the salons. <laughs> like everything is interesting. And so I really recommend just be brave. Look at a place that looks nice, seems to have friendly people. Go in. You'll be so happy. I promise. Yeah.
3: One of these days, Felix is going to show up on campus with pink hair and a big lopsided cut.
1: I'm totally a fan of this as well, Felix. And I think the reason why is sometimes when you travel, you don't have these day-to-day mundane experiences like cutting your hair. Yeah. And so you get a commercial interaction that is like a very normal interaction in a totally different place. Yeah and it's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of that as well. I think that's a great suggestion.
3: That's that's a very brave recommendation. <laughs> here, do you have something you're gonna try for the first time this summer?
1: Well so I'm embarrassed about this one, but I have never really significantly read alongside my children. What do you mean? Well, people wax poetic about reading to their children at night yeah, or yeah. reading books alongside them. And I've done other good things as a parent, but, but that's <laughs> not one of them. <laughs> they are now in between 8th and ninth grade. And we were looking at their list of books for the summer and it's getting really good.
2: Oh, yeah. like that you're It's getting to the point
1: now where I want to do it. Definitely. I haven't been a big YA fan and... They are now going to some classics oh, along with some contemporary you're gonna books. Have fun. And so I am so looking forward to trying and exploring books alongside them because I just honestly haven't done it. And I think it's a great joy. And they are great readers, but we haven't had that shared experience, even with Harry Potter, honestly. Like I very, very late in the game because they dragged me to it, I read one of them. But now I think the possibility of reading alongside them is really exciting. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. I think the time has finally come for that for me. That's my big trying and exploring experiment for the summer.
2: That sounds wonderful. You're going to have so much
3: fun with this. I remember when my kids were at that age, that is when the reading gets good. Yeah. So trust me when I say when they were in third grade, you missed nothing. (laughs) (laughs) As you put it, YA stuff. But also that's the age at which they read Really interesting adult They read,
1: like, the classics. They read, like, the adult stuff and contemporary stuff. Yes,
3: and I remember my kids would get their summer reading list. Yeah, I'd grab it with them and say, oh, let's read this stuff together.
1: Actually, Pachinko's on their summer reading list. And so it has some classics, but then it's kind of been updated. So I'm looking forward to that. That's nice. So what are you going to be trying this summer, young me?
3: So the thing I'm going to try, you'll notice the theme in some of my responses, is I'm going to try growing my own garden. Oh okay. I think I might have mentioned to you during the pandemic my son's girlfriend gave me a gift and it was this herb set you could grow your own herbs indoors mm-hmm. and I kind of fell in love with it so since then I've been growing my own basil and cilantro and just using in cooking and by the way it tastes so much better it's so much fresher yeah yeah and so I think I have now graduated to an actual little garden and I'm gonna start with. Some really easy things. I'm determined to grow tomatoes and strawberries, which nice. are among the easier things to grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And plus, you know, they're both bre- red and brightly colored, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm reading up on how to do it. I've figured out where I'm going to do it. And I'm going to come back in the fall with a green thumb. Nice. Guys.
2: That is amazing. I know. Do you have any luck with cilantro? I find cilantro so hard because somehow it doesn't work well for me. And I don't know why.
3: The biggest problem I have with cilantro is that we either don't eat cilantro or we require a lot of cilantro for when we're yeah, cooking. Yeah, so for cooking <laughs> me- Mexican food, then the amount that I've grown isn't sufficient for the meal that we want to prepare. Oh. And then there are other spells where we're having no cilantro for long periods of time. So that's my bigger problem. Yeah, But I'm growing these herbs indoor. So it's a climate controlled oh, environment. Oh. And it's a little bit better. So it might be a little yeah. bit more fragile. So it doesn't work quite as well if it's outdoors. So this is why I'm saying I'm graduating to an outdoor garden. So I don't know if I'm going to be successful. We'll have to see.
1: Well, so when you invite us over for the vegan meal you can serve me the tomatoes and you can have some balsamic vinegar for felix and you can serve the strawberries and we'll be all set
3: there's a cohesion to this entire podcast (laughs) episode that was completely (laughs) organic spontaneous, <laughs> unplanned. <laughs> this is the magic of our conversations, guys. Yeah. Do
2: you have space for an escalator yeah, in your yeah, story? exactly. Yeah, exactly. We to. had to work that in.
3: <laughs> okay. So what else, guys? What other recommendations do you have for how to spend your time this summer?
2: So I've been thinking about questions that come up every now and then. And for this summer, I created a little curiosity list you know there's these things that you experience or you see or you read about and you don't quite really understand so for instance I know this say when I'm working out like if I try harder for a little while Before my pulse shoots up, it actually goes down a little bit. And I always wondered about that. Like, why is that? Like, if you add more pressure, why does the pulse first go down a little bit and then it goes up? Or say, I read somewhere that the kernel of the Apple iOS is open source. And I don't quite understand that combination of it's a proprietary system, but it's open source at the same time. Mm. Or I'm perennially confused about the source of the tensions between Eritrea and Ethiopia. And none of these things are really, I'm not sufficiently curious to then find out, but it's always somewhere in the back of my mind. And so I've created this list for the summer of questions that I have, and I will spend the time. So by the time oh. we meet back in the fall, yeah. if anyone's interested in Eritrea, I will have an answer. <laughs> Wait,
3: so you have a curiosity list. Yes, yes. And it's just you put random questions on this list. Yes. And it could be about anything.
2: Could be about anything. I read it, I, oh, I wonder this. how that works. Right. And then. It's too far away, you know, or I don't have time. Right. right. Yeah, I hope it'll be really fun.
1: That sounds great.
3: That sounds so interesting. I love that.
1: Because otherwise, they, they just leave your mind. Yeah. And you document it, and then also it saves you from this problem, which I have, which is you know, you asked that question of yourself three years ago and then you ask it again and you're like, oh yeah, I still don't know the answer
2: to that. Yeah, but if you... <laughs> exactly, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, and somehow great. it's never the right time to sit down and really figure it out.
0: Yeah.
3: So Mihir, do you have something equivalent to a curiosity list?
1: You know, I have a question that I think we should all be asking ourselves, okay. which is, okay. I think now, hopefully we're in somewhat of a post-pandemic world. And as a person who is a creature of habit, I really want to try to assess and take an inventory of my post-pandemic self versus my pre-pandemic self. And to understand the habits that I've developed that are positive and the habits that I've developed that are not so positive. Because I think time lost all meaning during that phase (laughs) of our (laughs) lives. And we changed. And some of it was good and some of it wasn't. Mm -hmm. You know, for just as two examples, I think... Walking became a much bigger part of my life. I'm really happy about that as a habit. Mm -hmm. You know, on the other hand, I think over the course of the pandemic, I think I became maybe a better father and probably a worse friend. And I became more interior. And so I think I want to take that inventory of my post-pandemic self Mm -hmm. and compare it to my pre-pandemic self and decide what I want to keep and what I want to revert back to what i was and so i think just acknowledging how much this period has changed us how many habits have been created that are good and habits that have been created that are not good i think it's a good time to ask ourselves going forward what do you want to keep from this experience and what do you want to kind of reject so i've been thinking about that
2: that is such a great idea i love this i agree with you and i don't even know how easy it would be for me to do you know how right. habits sort of grow on you, and then yeah. you think I've probably done this forever, but it's probably not true. It's not true, right? Yeah, yeah. that is so
3: interesting. It's funny. I know I've made changes. The ones that jump to the top of my mind are the lifestyle changes that I consider to be healthier.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. The more
3: compelling question to me is, what have I given up in the process? Right. You describe the process of becoming more interior. You became a better father, but maybe a worse friend. I mean, that's yes. really quite reflective. And so to think about yeah. what are the trade-offs I've made, perhaps implicitly, that I haven't really spent time thinking about. Right. I don't know. I find that to be quite compelling. That's an interesting one. Wow. Wow. I also like the idea of a question to really probe this summer. Yeah. One of the questions I've been thinking of digging into this summer is the broad question of how to avoid becoming more cynical with Age, Mm -hmm. which I feel Mm -hmm. myself becoming. Mm -hmm. And then more specifically, how to engage in politics in a constructive way. Yeah. So I'm always someone who's been interested and have followed politics Mm -hmm. in the same way that I think all of us do. And yet it has started to feel unhealthy for me. And yet I don't want to become one of these people who just disengages altogether. Mm -hmm. So, how to engage Mm -hmm. in a constructive way? And so I've thought about maybe choosing one or two things to go really deep on. Yeah, I've even thought about maybe incorporating it into my teaching and research mm-hmm. oh. through case studies and field work yeah. and then bringing it into the classroom. And Mir, I know you've done a little bit about that, mm-hmm. which would be outside of my comfort zone for sure, but maybe a constructive way to engage. But that's something I mm-hmm. want to spend some time this summer thinking about. That's great.
1: I think that's a great one. And, you know i confess my reaction is if you crack that nut let me know because as you age it's easy to become cynical Mm -hmm. you want to be engaged but it gets harder i think using our work you know we have a lot of latitude and so using that to kind of resolve this is not just good for you young me but it's kind of good for the world yeah and so i think it's a great effort to try to undertake
3: when you started thinking about racial equality one of your instincts was to go out and write a case study yeah. on a specific thing that you wanted to get deep into. I thought that was such a constructive instinct.
1: It was a very simple instinct because I was frustrated. But mm-hmm. I think if we do it in a more programmatic way, I think it's fantastic. I wrote a case about the Tulsa massacre and the call for reparations. But I think your instincts are just right. And it has been a huge part of my life in the last year and a half. And it's been great.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So anyway, I think the summer is a really great time to think about these things. Yeah. I agree.
1: That's fantastic. That's a great idea.
2: Look at how long... We spoke when we had nothing to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) What does that say about us? I I wonder. It is late. Wow. (laughs) With summer stretching out
1: in front of us, it's just great to have this list of stuff to think about and to do. And most of all, avoid that escalator, young me. In South Station. (laughs) That will save the summer for sure. (laughs) So this was it.
2: The final episode in an amazing season. Thank you for all our listeners. We really enjoyed the interaction with you. You have no idea how much it means to us. We will miss you, but we promise to be back after the summer. See you in September. This was After Hours from the TED Audio Collective.